passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 192 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. We're here, folks. We are here. NFL playoffs are upon us. Great time to be a sports fan. We've got obviously the NFL playoffs coming. We have NBA season. It's in the thick of it. NHL season's in the thick of it. And if you're looking to get in on the action, head to Bet Online today. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether it's the NFL playoffs, NBA, NHL, MMA, boxing, tennis, you name it, even a little golf, a little live tour action if it's going on. Head to betonline.ag today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get 50% on your money. Bet online where the game starts with that said. Episode 192, for the love of the game, let's get this work. You see the boss grinning, I'm loving these women I let two get in, she tried to let the rest fit in I'm like, no, love, that's forbidden, I ain't for squishing That's a problem to the wheel well Trust, I know them 20s real well Now we coasting, me two chicks and toasting I turn up the volume Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back Episode 192 for the love of the game And we have made it, folks NFL playoffs are upon us And the New York Giants are going to be part of those NFL playoffs. Tonight, we're going to bring on a recurring guest, somebody you've heard a lot on this show. We're going to talk about the Giants. We're going to talk about the NFL playoffs at large, and it's going to be an awesome conversation. But a couple of quick NFL notes after Week 18. So the headliner for Week 18, I should say the winner of Week 18, is the Detroit Lions. Yes, they had their hearts broken before their game started Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. The Seattle Seahawks held on to win in overtime 19-16 to against the Rams. A ridiculous game. And that eliminated the Detroit Lions, who then went on to beat the Green Bay Packers, knocking the Green Bay Packers out of the playoffs 20-16. It's kind of a shame. It's kind of a shame because the Lions obviously are a torture franchise. And this year, they seem to have turned a corner a bit. Jared Goff has been excellent. And yeah, he started out shaky last night, but he proved that he can play in the cold a little bit. He's had a great year. Ahmad Ross St. Brown is a star at wide receiver. Jamison Williams is going to be a star at wide receiver. Aiden Hutchinson's a player. And... Now, going forward, after the trade that brought them Jared Goff that sent out Matthew Stafford, they got a whole lot of picks. So they're going to be able to fortify that roster. They already have a stud at left tackle in Panay Sewell. Dan Campbell has something going here. Yeah, does he make weird mistakes, like one weird mistake a game? Maybe. But he has those guys playing hard, and they love playing for him. There's a vibe there. There's a culture there. And, uh, you know, football fans are happy to see it because the Lions are a tortured franchise. And we have a kinship towards them because they're so tortured. As for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, you know what? Good riddance. Good riddance. I've had enough of the guy. All right? It's just enough. 
His act is growing tired. He's constantly sulking. It's always the wide receiver's fault. And yeah, maybe they're screwing up, but maybe take some ownership too. And now he's doing the thing, is he going to retire? Is he not going to retire? I mean, he just signed the contract extension. So I can't see him retiring. And then all of a sudden, he's just going to ask for a trade. Like, you just signed the contract extension. How possible is that? I don't know. We'll see. But I'm so tired of the Aaron Rodgers saga. Three, the NFC playoff picture. And we're going to talk about it with our recurring guests in just a little bit. It's just not very good. It's not very good. I really think at this point, there's only one really good team in the NFC, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. And it's weird to say this out loud, and I may hate myself for doing this, but I think the Giants right now may be the second most dangerous team in the NFC. But again, we're going to get to that in a second. Switching gears to the AFC for a second, the seventh seed, the Miami Dolphins hold on. They win the game 11-6 against the New York Jets, an absolute eyesore of a game. I mean, this is what happens when you get Joe Flacco versus Skylar Thompson. I don't know why the Jets were starting Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco has no future with the Jets. I'm not saying that Zach Wilson has a future with the Jets, but because you're eliminated, you might as well see if Zach Wilson shows anything anything but nope that's not what they decided to do joe flacco and it was predictably horrible odds are Tua tungavalo is not going to play next week because he's had three concussions this year so i doubt he plays in the playoff game so the bills are absolutely going to steamroll the dolphins and one last note the Arizona Cardinals, after giving Cliff Kingsbury a contract extension 10 months ago that was going to pay him through 2027, fired him immediately. Just, that's the way you like to run a business there. I mean, good stuff coming out of Arizona. I mean, none of it's going to matter because they're paying Kyler Murray Patrick Mahomes-like level money, and he's not Patrick Mahomes, and it really it's not going to matter who the coach is at this point. And last but not least, the Chicago Bears are now the owners of the number one pick in the draft. The Houston Texans had the inside track. And it comes out that they fired Lovey Smith, the coach, who they gave him a incredibly depleted roster to work with. He had no chance to succeed. And they fired him anyway. And he stuck it to the Houston Texans by winning a game that cost them the number one pick. Now, again, we are way out from the NFL draft. We've got a whole playoffs to play first. But looking ahead, given where the Bears are with Justin Fields and he shows promise, maybe the Houston Texans, without having to trade up, will have their choice at quarterback. But if you're the Houston Texans, you have to make sure you get that number one pick to give you all options, that you don't have to possibly have your second choice. Just ridiculous. So shout out to Davis Mills on his couple of fourth down conversions, fourth and 12, fourth and 20, a two-point conversion. I mean, good for you and good for Lovey Smith for sticking it to the Texans organization for doing him wrong. Just ridiculous. An absolutely ridiculous scene out of the Houston Texans. Trash franchises will continue to be trash franchises. Anyway, so I concluded week 18, picks against the spread. Three and two again was three and two the last two weeks. So for the year, I was 43, 41 and two. Not particularly great, about 52%. Not great. We, we need to bump that up next year. We are going to do picks for the playoff round, first round, with our recurring guests in just a matter of moments. couple of quick NBA notes before we bring on Shai Elberger to talk Giants and all things NFL playoffs. The Phoenix Suns are 1-9 in their last 10 games. They've lost six straight. They are an absolute disaster. An absolute disaster. Devin Booker's been out with a groin injury now, and it's a sinking ship. And given their ownership situation, that there's going to be new owners, we're not sure how much they're going to want to spend. Are they going to empower James Jones, the GM, to make new moves? What are they going to do with Jay Crowder, who hasn't played for them? It's a mess. 
it's a mess. And it's, and one thing's very clear is that Chris Paul can't be the guy who's going to carry you night in and night out. Honestly, he can't be the guy to carry you two thirds of the of the nights right now. You know, he was drafted in 2005. It's like year 18 for him. Like he's an old guy at this point. If Booker doesn't get back soon, like the Suns can sink all the way out of the playoffs, really all the way out of the playoffs, which is crazy to think for a team that was just in the finals two years ago. But it seems like this window with this team has closed. The title window is done. You can stick a fork in the title hopes of the Phoenix Suns. A team that has ascended recently a little bit. I know I make fun of them a lot. They're still under 500. They're still outside of the play-in tournament looking in. But the Los Angeles Lakers have strung together a nice bunch of wins. Five wins in a row. And I clown on the guy a lot. I'm not a fan of his. But LeBron James has been absolutely sensational. Absolutely sensational. The, The point totals that he's put up the last handful of games going back to the game against the sacramento kings it, it was a loss but 31 points 34 points 38 points 28 points 27 points 47 points 43 points 25 points 37 points i mean this is year 20 i know he's only 38 and he's not like a 55 year old man doing this but still it's remarkable it's absolutely remarkable do i think it's sustainable no i don't Do I think he's going to run out of gas? Yeah, and he's already been ruled out for tonight's game with ankle soreness against the Denver Nuggets. Is that precautionary? Just rest, whatever, who really knows? But Anthony Davis has to get back for the Lakers to even sniff the play-in tournament because LeBron can't continue to do this, and he shouldn't be asked to continue to do this. But I had to at least give him some props for his play recently because it's been absolutely sensational. Couple of injury notes. Seems like the Brooklyn Nets dodged a bullet. Kevin Durant had a knee injury in last night's game against the Miami Heat. It's only a sprained MCL. Should be out two weeks. Could have been a whole lot worse. They're playing really good ball. The Nets, I mean, they've won like 13 or 14 or something like that. So they dodged a bullet there. And Zion Williamson pulled the hamstring muscle last week. Just a routine running up and down the court. Pulled the hamstring. You don't see that very often in the NBA. You see that in baseball all the time. You don't see that very often in the NBA. Muscle injuries are weird. I mean, we see it with Devin Booker right now. It's a groin. You'd think he would have been back already, but no. Zion, it's something to monitor. They say around three weeks. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there, which is a bummer because the Pelicans are really turning into something. And they seem to be winning games regardless. But obviously they need Zion Williamson back because he's been one of the 10 best players in the NBA so far. And last but not least, first round of NBA All-Star voting has come back. So far, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Anthony Davis lead for the Western Conference forwards. Steph Curry and Luka Doncic for the backcourt in the West. The East in the front court, you got Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt. For the most part, it's hard to say the fans got it wrong. Again, I personally would have Zion in over Anthony Davis, but that's just me. Obviously, no argument with Curry and Doncic. For the East front court, I mean, picking three guys of the four between Durant, Giannis, Embiid, and Tatum is basically impossible, but I'd actually have it. Giannis, Durant, Embiid as well as the fans right now. Tough break for Jason Tatum, but those are the breaks. Donovan Mitchell has to be a starter. He's been the best guard in the East. And yeah, I don't like giving Kyrie Irving his due. I don't think he should be a starter. I think it should be Tyrese Halliburton, but we talked about that last episode. Anyway, with that said, we are going to bring on Shai Elberger, one of my favorite recurring guests, to talk about the New York Giants celebrating their season, talk about their matchup against the Minnesota Vikings seems to have broken real well for the Giants. We'll get into that in a second and all things NFL playoffs in just a matter of moments. So I mentioned in the monologue, obviously had to have him on. We're experiencing something for the first time since 2016. It's none other than Shai Elberger. Shai, we are back in the playoffs. This is uh, a first time uh, podcast for us since we've been doing this for three years and this is, as you said, the first playoff game, uh, playoff podcast with the Giants involved. So 
one of us has to sponsor a meal, sponsor a kiddish. What's crazy is I've been doing my show for over four years. I have never done a Giants playoff game preview ever. And here well, we are. That's what happens when you have the worst record in the NFL over a five-year span. Well, we're back. We're back. It feels great. So, obviously, I, before we get into previewing the game against Minnesota, um, looking back at this season, what has made you the happiest with this giant season? So, you know, that is a question you cannot answer with one answer. You know, like asking what's your favorite part of your child's heart to come up with one thing. Um, I would say, and a lot of these are things we talked about in the season preview episode for the Giants specifically, but a competent offensive system, which we definitely saw. Uh, the stats don't lie in terms of scoring offense. The last three, the last two years before this one, they were 31st and 32nd, and this year they are 15th. That is obviously right in the middle of the NFL, and they clearly are talent efficient at receiver and offensive line. And a lot of people obviously thought Daniel Jones was not a good quarterback coming into the season. By so self-included. You included. So a lot of credit. Uh, that's one of the things that I was very happy about. The offensive, like they were able to score points. Red zone offense. Anytime we get to like first and goal or in the red zone, I am fairly confident they're going to score a touchdown. And they are seventh in the NFL in touchdown percentage in the red zone. And a lot of that is Jones rushing ability, but they're just the plays that they call, like people get open. How many tight end rollouts or you know, it's just Saquon running in or, or Jones running in. It's like the last several years of Giants offense, whenever the miracle it was that they made, uh, they got to the red zone they did not score touchdowns. So Gano had like seven, you know, 30 yard field goals every game this year. They're just constantly scoring touchdowns, which is um, very encouraging. Uh, obviously Daniel Jones, uh, Andrew Thomas, all these guys that you're hoping took the next step. I know Andrew Thomas didn't make the pro bowl, but you know, we know he's a pro bowl type player and we see those in his future. Um, I thought you know, he did rookie. make it. I thought he did he make did it. Not make, he did not make the Pro Bowl because it's not his fault. There's Trent Williams. There's Jason Peters. Like, those guys are going to make it until they retire. Uh, and then, like, I could have sworn I saw him on the list. I mean, it, obviously. He you may know have that. been, like, a third alternate, like, something like that. Um, the first, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, he was injured to start but has had a very nice season since he came in. Xavier McKinney, um, you know, it's annoying, obviously, that he got injured. But prior to the injury, he was having a good season. The stats maybe didn't show it, but he was he was a presence. And just Julian people got Love. better. Julian Love, you know, Dory Jackson was having a good year. It's just, um, you know, there were a lot, a lot of good things. Dable, the stat, Wink, Martindale, like going for it on fourth down. Going week one, going for the two-point conversion. The one thing I've definitely mentioned on this podcast more than once is how Joe Judge's introductory press conference, he – basically came off of his being like, we're going to be aggressive and every play is going to blah, 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 blah. The first game, the first week one of his first season, the opening possession of the game, the Giants are like fourth and three at the Pittsburgh 40 and they punted. And I was like, I cannot believe they just punted here based on everything he had said. Now you turn to Dable week one down by seven. They score the touchdown at Tennessee. What do they do? Go for two, get the two. The football guys were with them. The Titans missed a field goal. You know, that game, essentially, they made the playoffs by one game. Uh, and then the last thing I'll just add to the list is I had not been to a Giants game since early 2018. Um, once they traded Beckham, I, I kind of had a personal boycott of going to games, giving them my, my money and spending a whole day at MetLife. Uh, you know, I watched every game and everything like that, but I just would not go, while, especially while they were so bad, like, I'm not going to a game where they're like three and nine or, you know, something like that. This year, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the Colts game. You, you're down in Miami drinking pineapple daiquiris. I'm going to the playoff clinching game. Uh, great atmosphere, big blowout win, which the Giants haven't had in, in years. And it was just, it was a really uh, enjoyable experience. 
And now that they're good again and will probably host some night games next season, I look forward to uh, you know going to a Thursday night or a Monday night game next year. First of all, how dare you with pineapple daiquiris? We're not drinking no pineapple yeah. daiquiris. That that's next year the Giants play at Miami, so that could be a game. You know, maybe it's week uh, whatever. Go down to Miami for in the wind December. Hit up uh, the Giants Dolphins game. Absolutely, looking forward to that. But you mentioned the red zone offense. I mean, I think they were last in the league last year, right? Yeah, and yep. now and now Seven. they're. Their seventh, which is remarkable. The fact that I think they're – I forget the exact stat I heard, but that their they're, um, DVOA, like rate on offense or something like that, raised 10 points a game, which was the highest, you know, from year over year. Uh, it's just – Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. they went from, from the last, the worst offense – to very middle of the road, which is a huge jump. You can't even put into really into words just how much of an upgrade Dayball has been for for you know the Dayball Kafka. Yeah, yeah just everything. the whole thing, like and, and just be instilling the confidence in guys, putting them in <laughs> best positions to succeed. Like it's so crazy. The difference between him and Joe Judge, because this team with Joe Judge last year wins three games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Jones staying healthy is a big component. You know, he didn't stay yeah. healthy the last few years. He ran more this year, probably got tackled more, and he was able to stay healthy. So a lot of that is, is luck. Um, maybe the injuries are on luck. Uh, and that's the last thing with the red zone offense, the team's I was just looking this up, that are ahead of them, you'll notice they all have alpha number one receivers, which in the red zone is extremely important. When the Giants had Beckham, you know, he, he how many times he had, you know, 10, 12 touchdowns a year. He was unstoppable. Dallas, CeeDee Lamb, uh, the Chiefs have Kelsey, Philadelphia, A.J. Brown, Smith, Detroit, Amon Ross, Cincinnati, Chase and Higgins. Uh, six is the Titans, actually, which – you just you know, like the Giants, you have to just give them credit. Derrick Henry obviously helps, but, you know, they don't have a, a top receiver or a tight end. So kudos to them. But, you know, you just – if the Giants, and I assume they will, whether it's draft or free agency or trade, like when they have a legit number one receiver, hopefully next year, this is, should be an offense that's, like, significantly better even than this year. Like, not just get a number one. They'll could get a number. They they could draft a receiver and sign Beckham, who I know is is not the Beckham of old. But you could do worse as a number two receiver, or or draft two receivers, or maybe Isaiah Hodgins actually like is a decent starter. You just add receivers, tight ends. Evan Neal hopefully makes a second year leap like Andrew Thomas did from his rookie year to second year. You, you know, you add one more lineman. Now you you have the makings of like kind of like what the Jets have. Um, but with a better quarterback situation now that you're more confident in Jones, like they have the Giants would have a lot of pieces on defense, especially you know, McKinney, Thibodeau, Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Adore Jackson, Julian Love. Like there are pieces there. Uh, like, yeah, you saw, I, I tweeted that and, and you responded. Cornerback is another position they will add to, I assume. Yeah, um, I, but I'm sure they're gonna have to draft the guy. Let's not, um, you know. They drafted this year in the third round, Cordell Fly, and he barely has played this season, uh, injuries or otherwise. He, he's extremely young. He, I think, turned 21 in August. Yeah, I think he's like the youngest player drafted, actually, something like that. And he played against Philly this week extensively and did pretty well. Like A.J. Brown did not have, uh, you know, a, a real big game at all. And Flott actually played pretty well. So he's one of those guys like Neil, um, you know, you just, you hope that they make some sort of leap next year and, and the Giants could be, you know, better than nine and, you know, nine one team. So obviously you mentioned the future. We're going to talk about what other, th you talked about all the things that excite you about the future of the organization, but it's, um, you know, the, the big, the big question is, is Daniel Jones and Barkley and what they're going to do with their contracts. And obviously what happens in the playoffs, I'm sure will play a factor. I'm not sure if it's going to 
be the end-all and be-all, but it's going to be a factor. Like, how do you see this going? It's it's hard to really predict how it's going to go because there's two players here. So if it was just Saquon, you know, it's not hard because you either sign him to some team-friendly extension or you franchise tag him. If it was just Jones, um, you know, you just – you are kind of the same thing. The numbers are different, but you, you try to sign them to a team-friendly contract, and if not, you franchise them. Because there's both of them, you can only obviously use that franchise tag on one of them. So assuming you want to retain both, which I think they do, you're going to have to pay one of them. My ideal outcome here is, you know, Saquon will not like this and, and might fight against it but the Giants franchise tagging him makes the most sense from the team's perspective. You, just, yes. you pay him, you know, 10 million or 12 million for one year and see, you know, just kind of let him, I don't like saying it like this, but like let him depreciate a little more. Um, now I would be, you know, if he wants Christian McCaffrey money, we've spoken about this. That's too much. You know, that's five for 85 or something like that. I, I'm not going to do that. And I don't think Joe Shane would do that either. Uh, and when you talk about things that excite me the most about the future, I probably number one is is believing that we're in good hands at GM and head coach. Right. Um, you telling me, you know, Saquon takes three years, forty-eight million, and you know, thirty guaranteed. Okay, that I can stomach that. And then For you Jones, franchise Jones with that. I still, you know, I, I guess you can, but like, you know, the Giants have all this cap heading into the off season. I think like third most or something like that. You franchise tag a quarterback like that takes up thirty five million right yeah. there. Like now you're you don't have that much cap space. So yes, you can do it, but it does handicap you. So I think, you know, we don't know what Dable thinks of Jones from clips that we can see. You know, mic'd up or on the sideline, even like it looks like he likes him. But and, and maybe you know we we can admit even though Jones has had a good season. He's not throwing deep. He's not really throwing that often. You know, he's doing what he's asked to do very well, but they're not asking him to do so much. Is that because of him or because of his teammates, the receivers? Oh, offensive line. Probably a combination of both. Maybe it's maybe it's none of it is Jones. But if you can pay him, you know, again, I wouldn't want like a five-year deal because I'm not sold, sold, but like a three-year 85 90 million and a two plus one kind of deal yeah you can get out in two but it's a three-year deal you know if he's really that good honestly after two years we're probably extending him again anyway so yeah so that those would be you know and maybe not use a franchise tag at all um so something saquon in like the 15 to 18 range and jones in the 30 to 33 range for two or three year deals my question is is given the landscape of the quarterback position, especially in the NFC, right? Obviously, Brady and Rodgers are, are a different category. But, and again, Jones has turned me into a little bit of a believer. But, like, if you go through the teams, like, how many guys in the NFC are better than Daniel Jones right now? Or that Daniel Jones can't reach that potential with this coaching staff, right? I mean, the... Listen, I, I'm a Jared Goff guy. I think Goff is better than people give him credit for. I, I really think – and say what you want about Jalen Hurts, him too. But besides for those two, like, I feel more than comfortable with Daniel Jones over any other quarterback in the NFC. Uh, I mean, that's such a – what have you done for me lately? And by lately, it's like last four weeks. Like, there's no team, no GM right now is drafting Jones ahead of Jalen Hurts. No, of course not. But but that's why I said him and Goff. Oh, oh so Hurts, uh, Goff, I mean, I, my hope for Jones is that he uh, is better than Goff at some point. I hope so, um, too, but Goff, Goff doesn't was really, really good this ability. year. Yeah, he was good. He was good. He has a good offense and great offensive line and Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, the Giants literally – like, the Lions are a team, like many, that have, like, three receivers that would all be Giants wide receiver one, plus right. a very good offensive line. And, you know, they play in a dome. Um, not right, that Jones but, is even but, bad. But my, I, I guess I brought that up to make the point that just, like, I think Daniel Jones is going to get a bigger number 
from the Giants or somebody else than we think. It's possible. I guess it's possible. Uh, the number two quarterback in the NFC is probably Brock Purdy. We're being honest. That that is true. We'll get to we'll get to him when we talk about the league as a whole. So, all right. So we talked about the future of the organization. A lot of young pieces where we thought the cupboard was bare. Um, it's really not. They've done a good job drafting o- over the years. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot to work with here. All right, so let's let's transition to the game on Sunday. It's a rematch of what was it, Week 16? Yes, Week 16. They're going into Minnesota. I said something in the monologue, which I hope I don't regret saying. Um, I think the Giants, and this is more a an indictment on the state of the NFC. I think the Giants may be the second most dangerous team in the NFC playoffs. I say. Is that – am I crazy? Yeah, because they're not better than the Eagles. They're not more dangerous than the Eagles. They're not more dangerous than the Cowboys, as bad as Dallas looks. They're not as dangerous probably even as Tampa because Tampa just has a lot more – experience and talents on their team um you know one of tampa or dallas is going to be in round two if you know, i i just i would love to see I don't know. either of those teams if we got there. i'm just not like the the giants i think of all those teams have the highest potential of losing by like over two touchdowns um i just think like if there's a game where the turnovers don't go their way and the ball doesn't bounce their way and you know jones fumbles and throws a pick and they can't get any like the first Eagles game where they lost 48 22 like they're not that far removed from that game yeah but they're also healthier than they were that game they're very healthy that's definitely when when we um you know go through our picks that'll that's a part of it for sure uh even from the last time they played Minnesota they hopefully should have a Dory Jackson back um if he's not back that that's pretty problematic because it's been like six weeks or so um, they'll have Xavier McKinney. He didn't play. Azizo Jullari only played seven snaps. He was coming off an injury. He got last week off. He should be good to go. That's three uh, important starters on defense right there. That's and, my point. Um, my point is, is yeah. that they're trending upwards in this respect. For I'm not sure, sure the and, Eagles are trending upwards. Lane Johnson is banged up. I mean, it yeah, doesn't look it's, quite it's, right. Just, you watch the Eagles and they just have like – Bonafide players at every yeah, position. Yeah, they were all healthy, but it's not week twelve. Um, and the Vikings might be on their third string center. So sign me up for Dexter Lawrence against that. Yes, sir. Okay, so so what's the a couple of major matchups to look for? You just mentioned one of them: the Vikings center against Dexter Lawrence uh, and the interior lineman for the Giants. What else is a is a major? matchup that is going to dictate how this game goes the uh i think not only lawrence but if thibodeau and aziz can can create a lot of pressure we know cousins is susceptible to kind of just throwing uh off his back foot Um, yeah you know he he definitely has the three int you know five sack uh potential for the giants pass rush um the Giants' offensive line, I feel like you say that every game, and probably for most teams, but, like, if it's one of those games where they're just getting pressure on Jones, harassing him all game, that's where the Giants' offense could just look ugly and, you know, really struggle to score points. Um, but in the last Vikings game, it was it was good, and he had time to throw, and you saw what he was able to do. He, he had a great game. Um, and then the last one, which you probably could say for every Vikings game, is the Giants were unable to guard Justin Jefferson last game. Uh, as we just said, though, Dory Jackson was out, McKinney was out, and the Giants, you know, had real backups trying to guard Justin Jefferson, and it did not go well. So if Dory's back, you know, also if he is back, first game in, you know, six or seven weeks, here's Justin Jefferson. I'm not sure how, how nice of a soft landing that'll be for his return. I don't but think they'll McKinney, put him on an island. Right, that's that's true. I agree. And McKinney over the top also helps. Um, and then uh, I, I'll wait for you to ask for my uh, official prediction. So 
okay, the line is Giants minus three. I mean, plus three. The yeah. 72% of the public money is coming on the Giants. See, I, um, I didn't know that, and I was going to make a reference to that. Yeah, go on. So how confident are you on a scale of 1 to 10 going into this game that the Giants can win the game outright? So here's here's what troubles me is that I know the public is on the Giants, and I was going to say that without knowing the official number. For the um, first time but, all year, they've been disrespected by yeah. Vegas all year, and now – yeah, they were, I think, a NFL best 13-4 and four against the spread or 14-3, and three, one of those. But the Giants are like the trendy pick right now. It always happens. You know, their last three games, they beat Washington on prime time. Then they lost that crazy game to Minnesota at the buzzer. And then they demolished the Colts. So the recency bias is real, which always happens going into the playoffs. Uh, the Vikings happened to be one of those teams that, you know, that the Giants just played and were basically even. And anytime, if you ask anyone on TV, anyone on the radio is like, take one team that's an underdog that's going to win, every person is taking the Giants. So that definitely makes me nervous. We, we know historically that the Giants have done better when they were overlooked and the, and the underdog, which, yes. which, you know, they are the underdog this game. You know, it's not Giants by three. But and, hold on one second. The Giants and the line hasn't moved. Right, they're, they're begging you to take the Giants, which I do not like. Um, right. now prediction time. Like, uh, you know, I don't know what you thought I might say, but my prediction is: Giants are ahead, Vikings are driving, and Cousins is pressured, throws it over the middle. Justin Jefferson alligator arms it as he senses the safety coming over. Interception, game over. Giants win by four. I, I'm weirdly confident about this game. And on a scale of one to ten, I'm probably a seven, seven and a half in terms of them winning the game outright. I, I just – the vibe on this team is – is just good right now, and they're trending. It is good. In the right, it is they're good. trending in the right direction. They're getting guys back, and Kayvon Thibodeau. I know I've lamented about them not drafting Micah Parsons and the whole thing. Like I, it's it's bothered me for a while, but Kayvon Thibodeau has been incredible, and he's making me forget that Micah Parsons even exists. So, so it's it's he has been very good. It's. Because we're seeing it in person, I still would say it's not close to what Parsons has done, and especially as a rookie. Sorry, just repeat that. It was background noise. Like Parsons as a rookie last year was is, was way back. He almost won you know defensive player of the year and rookie of the year. Thibodeau is not close to that at this level, uh, at this stage. But I'm not complaining about Thibodeau. He's ha- he's been very good against the run. He's exciting. Gets sacks like. It would be great for him to have, you know, a game this week where, where people remember him as like remember Thibodeau as a rookie had, you know, two sacks and a forced fumble to be the Vikings in the wild card. Would absolutely love that. So we are both on the Giants plus three. I don't think you were gonna get us anybody was really gonna expect us to bet against our team. Uh, but I actually legit think they're gonna win. I do. I legit think they're gonna win. All right, so that, that was a lot about the Giants. Let's go around around the NFL. We'll start with the first game, uh, the first Saturday game. Seahawks and the 49ers. Unfortunately, this is not the Lions playing in this game. I actually think that it would be a, a more competitive game if the Lions were playing Seattle. Game is in San Francisco. San Francisco is a 10-point favorite. What do you make of this game? And uh, if you're betting against the spread, which way would you lean? Um, I mean, like everyone else, I would think this should be a blowout. Um, but now we have a situation, I actually didn't check this, but I would assume San Francisco swept them this year. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Not, yeah, neither am I. Yeah. We just, we know that it, it's hard to beat a team three times yeah. in, in one season. So, I mean, I would be absolutely stunned if the Seahawks won. In terms of covering the nine or nine and a half, I saw you said 10. 10. 
um, we feel like this year more than other years, I, like any spread that's been double digits, I feel like the underdog has covered like 80%. Um, even this just, you know, the Giants won, won one example out of this, but like, I was like, how are the Giants going to cover two touchdowns? They're literally playing second and third stringers versus the Eagles starters who lead the game. And of course they lose by six only. Uh, having said all of that, I will take San Francisco because like, I feel like this could be a 31, 10, 31, 13 type of game. I like San Francisco. I'm actually leaning Seattle to cover only because it's the third time that they're playing, but Seattle's defense is really not in great shakes. And this is a prime teaser candidate for all those who like to do uh three, four team teasers. Here's your one leg. You tease this down to three or four points, and, and San Francisco is your first team in the tease. So, but I actually like Seattle to cover. I think the 49ers are going to win. Second game, Saturday night. Chargers, Jaguars. What excites you about this game? And the number right now is ESPN is showing even. So it's a pick. I saw, I looked right before our our zoom started on FanDuel, and it was chargers by one and a half okay so chargers by one and a half which way are you going because you know exactly which way i'm going uh yeah so it, this the matchup is is very interesting for me because i i just feel like chargers jaguars is a random game we don't really get often uh and at the same time you know it's two young ascending quarterbacks you know they have good players uh peterson doug peterson probably has the coaching advantage on staley uh and another thing is like if the chargers lose would they consider firing staley if they could potentially get sean payton Um, you have to even if they win (laughs) they should they should consider it so we're having that conversation by the way then that they end up hiring sean payton it's like, okay, so they fulfilled the Rooney rule. How? They already knew they were going to hire Sean Payton. Um, anyway, that's another topic. I like this game. I'm intrigued. Since I know who you're taking, I will take Chargers by one and a half. I am going to pick the Jaguars. I'm going to pick the Jaguars outright. One, uh, one other element that definitely benefits the Jaguars is – the Chargers, for some reason, played at their starters. Like okay, yeah, what game. was that? Because we were talking about this with the Giants because they were in the same predicament. Yes. And I was – Well, the only, uh, the only that difference is that the, the Chargers didn't know it until their game started. Like, they, it was reliant on the 1 o'clock game. The Giants knew the whole week. I mean, Brandon Staley, uh, for a, a roster yeah, as talented as he has – they're always hurt. I don't get I mean, it. Bosa hurt. Mike Williams hurt. Like, what are we doing yeah. here? Keenan Allen, like, pulls a hamstring every week. You're playing him the entire game. It makes no sense. Aside from that, the Jaguars have an extra day of rest, uh, and the Chargers are flying cross-country west to east. So there's just a, a few, like, of those kind of intangible elements that benefit the Jaguars. Um, but because I know you're on them, I will still take the Chargers. Home underdog coaching advantage the chargers having the history of being the chargers i am all over the jacksonville jaguars which is crazy because they're the jacksonville jaguars all right first game sunday bills dolphins this is if you're gonna probably miss a game this is the game to miss because i don't think two is gonna play the line is bills minus nine and a half i'm seeing what do you think about this game and why is it not going to be a bloodbath in Buffalo? So first off, I'd like to know the person who's missing any of these games. Shame, shame on you. Um, I, yeah, I just made that whole point about how the double-digit underdogs are constantly covering this year. So you said nine and a half. I agree, though. Skyler, assuming Tua doesn't play, I can't imagine Tua playing. Like they can't play him this year anymore. Um, Three concussions. He can't play. Skylar Thompson is is really bad. So, you know, it's the Bills against a really bad quarterback in Buffalo. And so I will take the Bills by nine. I'm a, sad, be- uh, a sad ending to the GOAT, Mike McDaniel, first season. 
I'm going to take the Bills by nine and a half. If you're putting in a tease, this is your second team in the teaser. All right, we talked about Vikings, Giants, Ravens, Bengals. It is in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is favored by seven and a half. To me, Cincinnati seems like the most complete team in the AFC right now, even though I think people are sleeping on the Chiefs a little bit. Um, but, yeah, what do you like about this game? And which way you lean in? If uh, it's another situation we don't exactly know the quarterback deal for the race, like is Lamar playing or is he not playing? It seems like he's not practicing, but like maybe he'll practice tomorrow or Friday. Maybe he'll play, but he'll be severely hobbled. Because the, not just the that, like, is he gonna is Lamar gonna risk his free agency to right. play? Given what we saw, you know, with Demar yeah. Hamlin and and how crazy of a fluke that was, is he even gonna risk it without the contract? And, and the coaches may have that same question and decide uh, Hobble Lamar, who's not going to be doing that, is not the better option. Um, again, though, this is a situation where the Bengals did sweep the Ravens this year, so it would have to be a third time. <laughs> and it's it's you know these games between them are typically close. My instinct says Cincinnati by seven, but I don't know why I'm feeling like maybe a classic like Ravens defensive game. They get a defensive touchdown or something, and they, they cover the spread. So I think the Bengals will win, but I'll take the Ravens. What would you say, seven? Seven and a half. Plus, I'll do the plus seven and a half. I'm going to take – the Bengals minus seven and a half. I'll, I'll lay the points. And this is your third team in the three team teams. Um, last yeah, but least, like, a, a money yeah. line parlay of San Francisco, Buffalo and Cincinnati is like even money, but like it can't be that easy. So one of those teams is losing. <laughs> no, it's sprinkle the Jaguars money line in it. And, and you got yourself some nice odds. All right. Last, last game. Uh, the terribly coached game, which has the opportunity to have coaching gaps all over the place, the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dallas is minus two and a half. Bucks are at home. Dallas has never beaten Tom Brady ever. Which way are you leaning? Because I know exactly where I'm going with this one. Wow, that's a great stat. I didn't know that. Um, and I wonder – how many home playoff games Brady has been an underdog for? Not um, that many. I, I like actually any though is the question. Maybe his first year. Um, like, yeah, I, I mean, I, as a Giants fan, I hate Dallas, so I'm not going to pick them to win. Um, but if you're and, and I know, like we've argued about this, Brady has been horrendous this year. The Bucks have looked so bad. Every time they're on national TV, they look so bad. Even the games they, they win, like in the last minute somehow, for 55 minutes, they look horrible. But it's Dallas, and you're giving me Tampa plus two and a half. At home, I'll take Tampa. Likewise. And not just that, give me Tampa to win outright. I think this Dallas team kind of stinks. Yo, I, mean, I, I, think I think they're, they're, I think they're good. good. I think they're good. I I like Brady to win. There's he just always finds a way, and I'm just not sold on this Dallas thing. I think Dallas, you know, giving two and a half after what we just saw in Washington is insane. Uh, I would have I would have assumed that this was like a pick'em, but I guess you know Tampa does have a losing record, so it's not like you give them so much respect. I'm all over Tampa this week. All right, so last thing, we'll, and we'll let you go. Super Bowl prediction. What's your matchup? And before you do that, do you think we're kind of, you know, I, I mentioned it a little bit in passing that obviously the Bills are getting a lot of buzz. The the Ravens, I mean, the Bengals are getting a lot of buzz. Do you think we're, like, sleeping on the Chiefs? I personally, I'm not sleeping on the Chiefs. 
Uh, I think the Chiefs are amazing, and Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. So I, I wouldn't sleep on them. I don't think people are sleeping on the Chiefs. No. All right. So with that said, who's, who's your Super Bowl prediction? My prediction is the Philadelphia Eagles will lose in the Super Bowl to the Buffalo Bills. I am going to take the San Francisco 49ers against the Buffalo Bills, and I think the Bills are going to win it. That's, That's my prediction. Fun. That's my prediction. Buffalo right, so, against so we San have a Francisco. Brock, a Brock Purdy versus Josh Allen Super Bowl matchup. I would love to see San Francisco win the whole thing, quite honestly. Kyle I think this Shanahan. Brock Purdy thing is awesome. Kyle Shanahan goes 0-3, 2 with San Francisco, 1 as the Falcons offensive coordinator. Um, and then the Bills get I, – yeah, I, it seems like – Especially with that kick return situation that we just saw, just seems like the Bills are going to win it. All right, Shy Elberger, this was great. Um, let's go Giants. I hope your uh, your blood pressure stays stays normal, and that uh, you know you make it to Sunday, and let's have ourselves a Sunday. Let's go Giants. You know what? This is we. This playoff game is house money. Like they shouldn't be here. I'm going to enjoy it. I will be nervous, obviously. I, they can lose, you know, it's a 50-50 game in my opinion. So, like, they can lose. They probably, you know, they, Vegas thinks they will. I'm going to enjoy it. House money. Great season. Excellent. I'll speak to you soon, bud. See ya. Thanks again to recurring guest Shai Elberger for coming on, celebrating the Giants season, recapping the Giants season. First playoff appearance since 2016. We're both excited for it. We also preview the slate for opening weekend of NFL playoffs. Good stuff from him as per usual. Let's go Giants. We're excited for Sunday. That's episode 192. For the love of the game, take us out, Cliff. The night's still young and I'm already leaning. Cruise through the lot on them deuce dudes gleaming. The liquor in me and I don't need a reason. Obnoxious with the women. Hot tucked in the linen. I pull up, let her get in. She know from the beginning. She added to the list of them chicks that I done been in. Her head spinning and my head spinning. Mine from juice and ginning. Hers from neck and chin and I'm a winner, man. When the last time you heard it like this. Smoke some, drink some, get ripped. And make the girls in the party just strip. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.